Tobias Harris over me? NBA Straya, how are you going? Hang on. That's right, it's Friday. TGIF, am I right? <laughs> May 13th. Ooh, Friday the 13th. Spooky. It's gonna be May. Either way, I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes for whomsoever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff. Here, repping Straya a little bit, walking you through all things NBA. And uh, it's the playoffs, and they're awesome. Because we've got two elimination game sixes today. And we get to wave bye-bye sixes. Bye-bye. Bye. Because James Harden once again showed up big time in an elimination. Oh, no, he didn't. He went completely MIA. <laughs> so bye sixes. Heat through to their second Eastern Conference Finals in three years. And uh, we got an absolute belter from Mavs' sons. Uh, particularly on the Mavs side. So we'll talk about those in the NBA straight. Game Rams have got a juicy slab, but that's not my fault, mate. No, mate. Spud of the night better than Lonzo Ball. We have Dickhead of the Week. I've been teasing that one all week. Uh, we've got, yeah, Nas, the unpopular opinion day of the day, and our back takeouts, where we're serving up a flame grill tank. Uh, there's the Australian Player Watch. Final one for Matty T. He's out. Greeny's the only man standing. And um, we've got the Gazy Grey Mumba Award. That's right, an Andrew Gay's Grey Mumba Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence today. And a Luke Longley Award for the role player who just does their bloody job. Love it. Uh, we'll do a preview and pick for the weekend's Game 6 and 7s. Woo! Game 7, baby! And we'll finish up with a classic cooking with Bainsy for you. Love it. Right, let's get into it. Episode 815 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, God. You better watch out for the Joel Embiid falling everywhere attack if you're Danny Green. Fuck, that sucked. All right, we'll get to that in a second. Let's start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with a daily whip around. There you go. The big news today, we've got some new trophies, some new awards. Don't you love that? That's right, we've now got conference finals MVPs, <laughs> which I thought... Ah, I feel like we're grasping at straws at this point. Why aren't we just calling them the playoff MVPs then at that point? It's weird. Anyway, it's essentially the NBA in their 75th year going, right, how do we really keep milking this Larry Bird, Magic Johnson stuff? And pay tribute to our past. Well, we'll make it the Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals MVP and the Irvin Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP. An award that literally no one was asking for. <laughs> like, seriously, no one has ever come out and gone, ah, oh, jeez, you know the Conference Finals needs? Yeah, it's own MVP award for both sides. Yeah, that'd be good. Literally for years upon years upon years upon years, we've been clamoring a playoff MVP or something like that because finals MVP is all well and good but it's literally one series so is the fucking conference finals Adam Silver this is why 
You need your vice president of common fucking sense, your old mate Jimmy over here. All I ask for is a six-figure salary, Adam Silver. And you would have run this by me. We'll run it up the Jimmy flagpole. See what he reckons. I'll be like, that's fucking dumb. Just call it the Eastern Conference playoffs MVP, you idiot. Not the conference finals. Fuck. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Anyway, on top of that, uh, the Eastern Conference Championship Trophy. So you've won the Eastern Conference. You're going to the finals. You've just won the Bob Cousy uh, Eastern Conference Championship Trophy. And if you win in the West, you win the Oscar Robertson Western Conference Championship Trophy. Because as we all associate Oscar Robertson with the Western Conference. Yeah. Oh, but Jimmy, he won like the title with the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks are down the East. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> God. They've also reconjigged the Larry O'Brien Trophy uh, for the title. It's got a base, which has got all the etch names of all the other extra champions, which I kind of love, so good on him. Uh, just trying to basically be as good as the greatest trophy in all of sport, the Stanley Cup. Uh, last little bit of news. Uh, Zach Kleiman won the uh, Executive of the Year award. I fucking hate that. Oh, Jimmy, do you hate Zach Kleiman? No, but I hate that he's 33. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, I'm just the GM of the Grizzlies. I want Executive of the Year. How old are you, Zach? I'm 33. Get fucked, Zachary! (laughs) Jimmy, is it because you're older than him and you've done nothing with your life? Maybe. 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 Hey, I've not done nothing with my life. A bit behind the eight ball today. It's a slightly later show today just because I had to go do a bit of your old prego scans with our old mate. That was pretty great. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's a weird experience having a kid again. But having it be a different experience last time, because last time we were split between the US and Australia, and uh, now it's all in Australia, and you're like, okay, this is much more navigable. (laughs) But it's just a bit weird. As long as I don't have to deal with that fucked up, horrible US healthcare system. Ugh, anyway. Right, let's get into the game wraps from today, because they were some rippers, weren't they? Game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps. That's right, the game wraps. When I say rippers, I mean... One team got the shit ripped out of them. (laughs) The other one. And the other one won in both games. So Miami beat Philly 99-90. That's it. Packer up sixes. Uh, This felt like a fucking mercy killing for a lot of this game, didn't it? Because... Right, let's start with the Embiid falling over. How many times do you reckon you saw Joel Embiid hit the floor out of kind of nowhere in this game? Was it seven? Was it eight? Was it maybe ten? You'd think he'd fucking learn after, what, a couple of minutes into the game, Danny Green's hit a three. Embiid, they're all posting up for a bit of a uh, rebound. Embiid sort of just flails, half throws himself backwards, lands on Danny Green, his teammate, and fucks up his knee. Boom. No more Danny Green in the game. No more sixes. The thing is, it just kept on fucking happening. Like, with minimal contact, he was slipping over. Uh, there was just, there was a weird vibe to it. It's like, I don't know how a 280-pound, 7-foot man is falling over with zero contact. Uh, but here we are. And unfortunately for Danny Green, not the boxer, it's 
fucking probably knocked him out maybe for a year because Woj tweeted out after. It's like, it's significant, this injury. It's like, fucking hell. Embiid, just stay upright. Anyway, uh, weird game. Weird game. Embiid battling mightily early on. Maxi gave him a little bit of a burst. Harden had a couple of buckets. Uh, but the signs were right there uh, in that first half that Philly were pushing shit uphill because in that second quarter, um, like the fight was kind of there for a second, but then it just really wasn't. So Miami got up early. Philly fought back. They're only down one going into the second half, but I think it was Cork Maz was literally, he scored two points in the second quarter. He was the only other sixer outside Maxi Harden and Bede to score. And it was absolutely brutal. And so while Jimmy Butler struggled in the second quarter for Miami, he was on a heater to start off with. He had nine points in the first. But then in the second quarter, Strew stepped up, Oladipo stepped up. Everybody got involved. It was the exact opposite to the Sixers. And then boom, you see it in the third quarter, literally out of the gate. Miami just put the boot in and ran away with it. It was a 19-4 start at the third quarter. Doc Rivers calling two different timeouts, going, what the fuck are we doing, you idiots? And uh, they get up like 16 around then, and you have that moment going, well, Philly will fight. Oh, no. And you literally watch them play for a couple of seconds. You're like, yeah, the fight is 100% out of this team. There is no fight. James Harden's loafing around. He and Maxi are basically arguing with each other at the start of the fourth quarter. There was, because that was the absolute fucking depths of hell, wasn't it, for the Sixers fans at the start of the fourth quarter? Because they got it back down to 11 going into the fourth quarter. And rule of thumb, if you're within about 12 going into a fourth quarter, you've still got a chance. Same thing sort of goes if you're still around the 10-point mark and there's three minutes left in the game, you can still win it. But then Miami, right out of the gate of the fourth quarter, six-zip run, a massive steal by Bam off a fucking horrible pass uh, by, I think, MB, uh, Maxi trying to like basically swing it over to Niang. And uh, there was a steal before that where Harden and Maxi just like giving up the ball and it was just, pack her up, boys. We're done. One, two, three, Cancun, right? Like, the way the Sixers looked at the start of that quarter, you're like, there's no fucking chance of coming back from this. Harden looked cooked. Embiid just looked gassed. And Tobias Harris looking as lackadaisical and fucking beige as ever. Uh, it's like literally the beigeiest NBA player you could find. And it's kind of funny that the Sixers had a beige uniform like a couple of years ago, right? Because what does Tobias Harris inspire in you? <laughs> Is it nothing? Because that sounds about right. He's like a Richie Benno suit. Uh, but either way, Miami, look. They got it up to 20 in the fourth quarter. They just ran away with it. Butler led from the front, just full of fight the entire time. Strew stepped up massively. There was like a little bit of a run at the mo- at the la- like late when Maxi got it down to 13 with three and a half minutes left. Then he got it down to 11, and then pow, uh, gave Vincent Nails a three. That was the ball game. But that was kind of that crucial stretch through the third quarter because I think it went from 49-48 where the Sixers are still in it, they're at home. And I think Hubie may have even said on the broadcast, right? He's like, yeah, look, it's a bit of a problem <laughs> because, I mean, the Sixers, you've let the heat in. Like, you're you're down one at home at the half in an elimination game. The heat aren't going to fuck this up, and they didn't. So I think from the 49-48 at the half, it turned around. It was 
92.72. And you're like, oh, that, that's not good. <laughs> that's 43 to 24 over that stretch. And that was it. It was embarrassing. If you're a Sixers fan, that's a flat-out embarrassment, right? Like, you now leave this season with, like, a really foul taste in your mouth from the lack of fight in this team. And I think more than anything, if your team fights down to the wire and you lose in a game six, like the old adage, you can lose by 30, you can lose by two, it doesn't matter. It fucking matters. If it's the last game of your season and you lose a heartbreaker, at least you go into the offseason and go, fuck, we were right there. We were right there. Uh, This one, you were not there. (laughs) You were not there. Because the lack of fight in this team, like we get that Embiid was battling like 87 different injuries. He always seems to be as well. Just remember that. But it also felt like a lot of these injuries of Embiid's this time around uh, were not his fault. I mean, one of them, the orbital soccer thing is Doc's fucking stupid fault for leaving him in up 29 with four minutes to go. But really, the lack of fight from Harden is just the most inexcusable aspect of this game, isn't it? Like, this is a dude who was a fucking MVP four years ago. It wasn't eight years ago. It was four years ago. He was the 2018 MVP. And it's so wild to me that they got so little from him in the exact moment when they needed him to step up and just uh, deliver them anything to the point where we now have an immortal statistic where Ben Simmons in a Game 6 elimination against the Atlanta Hawks in 2021, had zero field goals in the fourth quarter. That's a famous statistic. Guess what James Harden had today? It was zero in a Game 6 elimination. Oh, my God. This is James Harden, a dude who's compunction to fucking shoot the ball new zero bounds for literally a decade. And suddenly he's like, ah, what am I doing, man? Fucking hell, what an absolute shit show this was for the Sixers. So, look, Embiid, 20 points. He shot 7 of 24. Probably the worst thing for the Sixers' offense in this game, outside of James Harden completely shitting down his leg, was that uh, Embiid hit two threes early. (laughs) And there were moments in the third quarter when Hubie Brown is like, ah, I know that he's wide open, but it's not a great shot. And I think the Sixers may have started off that uh, third quarter like shooting 2 of 15. And in there, there was a couple of threes where Embiid just kind of like went, well, I guess I'm a bit open. Fuck it. And just launched and uh, loaded up that old trebuchet. And uh, they did not go down. And the Heat are just like rubbing their hands together going, thank you, Joel. Thank you. Because that's just another empty possession for the Sixers and away they go. Um but to be fair, you just can't really, again, for some reason, year after year after year, Embiid is kind of just doing enough where you can't blame him solely for a uh, Philadelphia 76ers series loss. Because today, look, just so injured. He's battling, he's battling, he's battling. The flailing, the falling over, that was weird, but he did leave it all out there. He's got a busted fucking head. He's got a busted thumb. He's got a sore back. Anyway... Maxi, 20 points for him, four assists, four turnovers. Just the Harden Maxi uh, pairing, I think it's one of those ones where you go, it looks good uh, at times, but Harden is also 
the old head. The guy is like, fuck you, young buck, I've got this. And Max is like, who the f- Dude, what the shit? Like, time and time again. Harden, look, 11 points, 9 assists. Oh, Jimmy's not bad. Four turnovers. 18 hot dogs maybe eaten at halftime because that's how fucking bad he played in the second half. We'll talk about him later. Just heads up. Uh, Tobias Harris, you know my go-to. Okay, Tobias, uh, Joel's hurt. We've lost Danny. James is wildly hungover. Tyrese is pretty young. We're paying you $36 million a year. We need 30 from you. All right, boss, you got it. 14 it is. No, 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 Tobias, I said 30. Yeah, you got it. 6 of 13 shooting. Tobias Spud Harris. Like, seriously. Like, that's the biggest waste of money since the fucking government went, ah, France. Here's a couple of billion bucks for some subs. (laughs) At least we could have gotten some sandwiches out of it. Shake Build had 15 points. He was the only good fucking sixer in the second half. Niang, another horrible game. Cork, Maz, two points in eight minutes. Whatever. Just the supporting cast of this Sixers team was horrible. Uh, from Harden on down, Matty T just clanked another three, and it breaks my fucking heart every time. He missed two threes. One of them was just so wide open. It's like, Matty, I love you, but you got to hit that one. Uh, and the Sixers, I mean, in trading away Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and Ben Simmons for James Harden, we all understand. It's like, yeah, look, you got to give up something to get something, but it really fucked him in the end. Uh, the Heat, meanwhile, 32 for Butler. He was incredible all game. Shot 13 to 29. I mentioned he's like quiet second quarter. Didn't matter. Turned it around. He went two or six on threes. He was unreal. Struce. He was incredible. Like, Struce was so good. He went four or 10 from downtown. He had 20 points. He had 11 rebounds and five assists. Now, this is the reason, while not playing Big Booty Kyle Lowry doesn't hurt you if you're Miami, because Struess and Vincent combined, I think, and actually, like, relying on them a little bit, paid off. Just saying. Bam had 10 and 8. PJ Tucker played his ass off. He shot 6 and 9. Nice. Uh, There goes my Tyler Hero at 10. He looked a little bit funky today, did Tyler. He's on the road. We all know his uh, home away splits. It's as bad as Shane and Angel. (laughs) Oladipo had four points, but I think Oladipo just helped sort of uh, sort of keep them afloat there at times, even though he only shot two or five. Gabe Vincent, three of eight shooting for his seven points, but he had six assists, and Dwayne Deadman had four and three. It was nice to see Duncan Robinson get out there for a four-minute run today. Either way, the Heat, off they go. They send the Sixers packing. It's hilarious. 4-2, an incredible series by the Heat when you look at like the fact that they lost those two games in Philly. Then turned around and went, oh, yeah, wait, we're way better than this team. What are we doing? It's like the meme where the dude just sits close to play the video game. That was literally what Miami did after game four. They're like, all right, now I'm paying attention. So there you go. Loved it. Good job, Miami. Uh, Everybody's going to be talking about them now. Heat fans have uh, bitched and moaned all season about, no one takes us seriously, man. It's like, yeah, well, I did. And now you've proved me right. So thanks for that. Right. On to the second game. Dallas absolutely shit-pumped the Suns. What? 113.86. Hey, Jimmy, didn't they just get shit-pumped in Phoenix just the other day? Yeah. This is one of the weirder series. Because you might remember the Suns won by 30 last game, and then the Suns uh, lost by 27 today. <laughs> it's like, what is going on in this series? It's absolutely fucking hyper. I love it. And 
it's one of those ones where I think the home team... So, obviously, the home teams have won all of the games so far. It means the series hasn't started yet, man, because no one's lost at home, eh? The series hasn't... No, the series doesn't start till someone's lost at home. Well, I I think it's started. I'm just saying. But uh, the home and uh, away splits are crazy. And, like, the uh, plus-minus, I think, of the plus... The home teams is, like, 103, which is chaos. So, either way, uh, this was a weird game. And... Like, the way the Mavs came out was super wildly impressive. I think more than anything, like, their defense and their steadiness, and it was the second quarter that really pushed it over the top, right? Like, the second quarter, they just really knuckled down, and, like, there was the Reggie Bullock three just before the end of the half where he smokes a three. Everyone's kind of leaving him alone. You're like, what are you doing? It's Reggie Bullock. He's going to shoot that. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm... I could not be more open. <laughs> Absolutely fucking nails it. They hit six threes in the uh, second quarter, did the Suns. And I think they would like outscore them by 12, I guess, in that time. But the thing was, like, Spencer Dinwiddie hit a three. Max Shaklieba hit a three. Luca hit a three. And Reggie, that was his third three of the quarter. Off they go. Meanwhile, the Suns in that quarter had four turnovers. Uh, they made eight shots and just looked wildly discombobulated. They were getting out-rebounded. Um, just the turnovers just kind of kept building on themselves. Well, they had four turnovers in the first quarter. They had four more in the second. And you're like, what is going on with this Suns team? Like, this is a Suns team that we know likes to protect the ball, plays hard-nosed defense, gets enough on offense, and they'll run over the top of you. The craziest part was in the third quarter, they had seven more turnovers, and that was basically the game. Like, the Mavericks, a team where you're like, all right, cool. They're going to do some weird, dumb, like, lazy shit here and there. They did not do that today. They had zero turnovers in the third quarter. Dallas ended up being up 22 going into the fourth because in the third quarter, they're like, oh, guess what? Yeah, we've got a Luka Doncic. He scored 10 in the quarter. Brunson got cooking. Reggie Bullock hit another three, but the best part was Spencer Dinwiddie finally woke up, hit a couple of threes, and they were off and running up 22. But the best part was, like, the coverages they were playing on CP3, they sort of just pushed him off his spots. He could never get comfortable, and Booker was basically the same. And this is one of those weird things where you see Dallas at home, and you're like, why are you so much better at defense at home? (laughs) It's so weird. But anyway, up 22, they rode it out from there. They just actually got more and more turnovers at the start of the fourth quarter, uh, did the Mavs. And you're like, oh, God, these poor, poor, poor sons. They end up with another seven turnovers in that one. It is just one of the roughest nights for the uh, Suns you'll ever see. Um, I mean, we talked yesterday about the uh, the burn the tape kind of games. And they had 22 turnovers. Eight for Booker, five for Chris Paul. It was just all over the shop. And they just stunk. Like, CP3 had four actual made buckets and five turnovers. Booker had six made buckets and eight turnovers. Just tough. Like, I don't know. Essentially, they rode out in that fourth quarter. Like, they got some tough buckets. Luca hit a couple of nice little shots, and they rode out from there. And there was a great capping three by Reggie Bullock, and they kept it up around 20 for pretty much the rest of the game. So, and obviously, you know, end up winning by 27, but there was just a sort of nice little stretch where they just kind of, there was it was teetering there for a second. Like the Suns, they got it back to like 16, 
And you're like, oh, well, you know, there might have a bit of a puncher's chance here. And Luca just went out and made a couple of shots, and like that was the game. <laughs> like, back her up, boys. See ya. So, anyway, Booker ends up with 19. Didn't score from the first quarter to right at the end of the third. Uh, 6 of 17 shooting overall. CP3, 13 points on 4 of 7 shooting. I mentioned the 5 turnovers, only 4 assists as well. Ayton was good, 21 on 11, but he can't really impose himself on a game. I mean... This is the sort of game where you go, Aiton, look, Booker, CP3, they're struggling. How about we get 30? He's like, all right, I got you, 21. It's, like, uh, it's not quite enough, bros. Uh, Crowder had nine. Bridges, really rough night shooting for him. Uh, he was like two of seven, I think. And uh, really, just the rest of the Suns supporting cast just went completely MIA. Like Cam Johnson goes one of five. Sham Wow goes one of six. Campaign got out there for four minutes of like garbage time and went over three. Incredible. So did Ish Wainwright. Like, even their garbage dudes couldn't deliver. It's incredible. Tory Craig was 6-4. and four. Biombo flexed everywhere, but still got his ass kicked. Either way, the Mavs, look, Luca had 33-11-8. It was a masterful game. He shot 11-26. He was unreal. Brunson had 18-3 and three steals. Reggie Bullock goes 5-11 of 11 from downtown, 19 points. Spencer! Tim Woody goes 5-7 from 3. Max Kleber goes three of five from three. And if you've got Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwiddie, Max Kleber going, what's that? A combined 13 of 21 from downtown. That's a great match, Jimmy. You're going to win the game. Because it didn't even matter that Finney Smith struggled on offense. He was in foul trouble. Didn't matter. They ran away with it. Frankie Smokes got out there for 21 minutes. He had he went 0 of 1 from the floor, did Frankie Nidalekina. But he had four steals and a block. <laughs> That's so good. Anyway. Even Greeny got out there for three minutes of garbage time at the end. So the series is tied 3-3. Phoenix completely bottled game six. The Mavericks just were locked in. The key for them is going to be, can you replicate that on the road? That focus, that determination. Because I think talking about this yesterday, I picked the Mavs and... It was just because at home for games three and four, they really had just hit on a really good identity and had figured it out. And then it just completely fell apart in game five. You're like, oh shit. But I trusted like that the uh, role players would step up. And obviously you saw Spencer Kleber and uh, Reggie hitting threes. If they can get that to happen again in Phoenix, then they might be able to steal it. But either way, we get a Game 7, baby. Game 7, baby! I'm excited. You should be excited. Cannot wait. Just, I love that the heart that the Mavs showed in a you know, elimination game on their floor, it was hilarious to see the difference between them and the Sixers, wasn't it? Like the Sixers completely rolling over and showing their belly like he's, uh, like they're the uh, the dog, Larry over there. He's hanging out going, Jimmy, give me a, give me a pat. Jimmy, rub my belly. Rub it. Rub it. Oh, yeah. That's what the Sixers did. They're like, oh, Miami, can you rub a belly? Well done. The Mavs like, fuck you. Let's go to the lap. Went hardcore. It was great. And uh, very heartening if you're a Mavs fan. So let's go to a game seven. Can't wait. All right, let's do an NBA Australia proof performance of the night. That's not a knife. That's a knife. Oh, Jimmy Butler. 32, 8, and 4, one steal, a couple of blocks, shot 13 to 29 from the floor, two or six on threes. But my favorite thing about the Jimmy Butler uh, experience today was he never thought they were going to lose. Like, 
That's the mindset you need on your team, and it's the mindset the Sixers do not fucking have. <laughs> like, they've got James Harden, who's basically like, wait, did I make a booking for tonight at the Rippers or not? Wait, I'm James Harden. Do I need to make a booking? And like, that's all he's thinking about. He's like, oh, shit, I've got the ball. Fuck. Oh, I'll throw it over to Maxi. Ah, oh, what a steal. Oh, it's that kid's fault. And Butler was just fucking completely locked in from, like, the tip. Went right at them. And, like, you saw his first quarter going hard. And then he struggled in the second quarter. Didn't matter. That third quarter where they ripped off that 19-4 to run, Butler was just instrumental in all of that, just keeping them focused and just battering down the Sixers. And as soon as you got the Sixers down at any point this season, you knew what was going to happen, right? They were going to shit the bed. It's the Doc Rivers, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Corollary. If you've got them all in the same team, put them in a tough spot, guess what's going to happen? They're going to shit all over themselves. I mean, Phil Jackson knew this. He was talking shit about Doc Rivers fucking a decade and a half ago. Anyway, uh, but Struess also gets an NBA Australia Pro performance in the night. The 20 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists from him. The way he shot at 4 or 10 from downtown, it's the exact sort of addendum-y game that you need from your role players where Tyler Hero struggling on the road. Struess, he's not going to be getting that much defensive attention. you got to take advantage of that. He did. The fact that he scored as many as the lead scorer of your sixes is just, it speaks volumes, you know? Maxine Embiid managed 20, Struess managed 20 by himself. Incredible. Uh, and of course, Luca with the Luca special, 33 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 4 steals, 1 turnover. Shot 11 to 26, 9 to 14 at the line, 2 of 8 from downtown. I mean, it was amazing. That's his fifth playoff game with 30, 10, and 5, at least. Uh, which puts him ahead of Dirk. Dirk, it took 145 playoff games for him to get to there. <laughs> Luke has done it in 22. 22. It's pretty good. Good job, Luca. The Luca special. Right. Who was Spud of the Night? Spud, 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 Love George Niang, friend of the program, uh, big fan. He's a bit of a legend, cool dude. Uh, but three scoreless games out of six for one of your more pivotal role players? Let me just check. Yeah, that's not fucking good. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then, of course, Cam Johnson and Tor- uh, Tory Craig and um, we and Sham Wow, obviously, for the Suns. I mean, Cam and Sham Wow specifically... One of five for Cam Johnson, one of six for our Shanwell. Pretty brutal. But of course, I mean, what are we doing here? Because there's only one person who's really going to be spot of the night. And you know it's going to be... Fireman Hoop Billy Clan! It's James Harden. Of course it's James... It was always James Harden. Oh, James Soften. Little game James. Small game James Harden. What's the opposite of big game James Worthy? It's small game James Harden. Unbelievable. One shot in the third quarter. One shot in the fourth quarter. Missed them both. Three turnovers. He just played the most minutes of his career without scoring a point. Seriously. He didn't. He made a bucket with three and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. Did not score again. 
It's the first time he's ever played over 40 minutes and not had a free throw attempt. If that tells you I don't give a fuck, <laughs> then I don't know what does. Seriously, 40 minutes, zero free, th- free throw attempts. The first time he's ever done that, he may as well have been wearing a T-shirt saying, I couldn't give a shit, mate. <laughs> he literally looked like a spud out there. I don't know if his braids are too tight and his brain's just like, oh, man, my fucking brain hurts. It's like, I don't know, let your hair out, James. What are you doing? That was one of the single most inept and shithouse elimination games you'll ever see played by anyone not named Ben Simmons. The sweet fucking irony of Ben Simmons being traded for James Harden and Harden shooting or hitting as just as many shots as Ben Simmons did in a Eastern Conference semifinals elimination game six. I'm never going to not love this. This is incredible. Like Harden, over in the fourth quarter of a game six elimination, the dude who got traded for Ben Simmons. The Sixers traded a dude who didn't want to shoot for a dude who didn't want to shoot in the fourth quarter of a big game. That is incredible. Unbelievable. Great job, Daryl Morey. Oh, fucking galaxy brain, bro. I love James Harden. He's my favorite best mate ever. Daryl Morey. Amazing work. But James Harden, just absolute spot of the night. And guess what? Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, mate, no, mate. Oh, mate, no, mate. Oh, yeah, it's James Harden. <laughs> The best part was, literally, as soon as his game starts going south, everyone's like, oh, man, who are Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid going to throw under the bus this year? Guess what? It was James Harden! Oh, I do like, though, that Doc very, very smartly learned from last year. So when he was asked about Harden, he's like, hey, man, we win as a team, we lose as a team. <laughs> ben Simmons is somewhere going, fuck you, Doc Rivers. <laughs> but Joel Embiid... He's asked about Harden after the game, and he's like, obviously, since we got him, everybody expected the Houston James Harden, but that's not who he is anymore. He's more of a playmaker. Everyone's like, Joel, the fuck are you talking about? Everybody was like, oh, man, it's basically like Kobe and Shaq again, bro. Meanwhile, Kobe never went fucking 40 minutes without a free throw attempt. And, yeah, the tire marks on James Harden's back from Embiid. You love to see that because I just assume that James Harden will go on a tailspin and demand a trade, right? 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 Nah, of course not. Uh, Pantsing of the night. Uh, The huddle video was just amazing, wasn't it? Doc Rivers like, fight for this. Come on, guys, fight for this. And then Hubie just comes out of the break going, yeah, unfortunately, you're not getting that reaction as <laughs> they're getting the shit kicked out of them. And you're like, yeah, Doc is uh, basically coaching his way onto the Los Angeles Lakers right now, isn't he? And, like, on top of, like, the panting of the night, um, like, Bam just, there was one great panting moment where Bam, uh, Joel was kind of, like, kind of going up for a shot. He sort of does tend to do that, like, I'm going to lean up for a shot, but I'm actually going to pass it at the top of my shooting motion. And Bam read it perfectly and just took the ball out of his hand and then just, that was it. It was all over. Um, it was like something you do to your little cousin. Like, they hold the ball up, you just grab it out of their hand and go, sorry, buddy, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, the craziest part was, I think in spite of the night, old mate, no mates, pantsing of the night. I mean, we talked about a Dylan Brooks, like, shitty Louvre moment. 
Like, it's got to go there, doesn't it? Doesn't this James Harden just to go out and completely, completely live up to everybody's expectations of how bad you can be in big moments? Like, that is going in the shitty Louvre. It's got to go there. This is going straight to the pool room. Because not only was a horrible, horrible, horrible performance that showed absolutely zero fucking heart, but everybody in Philly's now like, fuck this guy. Hey, shit, what have we done to deserve it? It's like, well, you guys have done plenty. You know what you did. But either way, uh, definitely old mate, no mates, hard and getting pantsed, spud of the night, roll it all into one. It's going to the shitty Louvre. You love to see it. Who is better than Lonzo Ball, though? Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you're going to get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. So the one saving grace, I think, for the Sixers in all of this, right, is Tyrese Maxey. Like, today he's better than Lonzo Ball because he was... In a losing effort, he went 9-22, 1-7 from downtown, 20 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 turnovers. He had a block, but he played his heart out. You love to see it. He's young, second year. Like, let's, uh, we're going to give Maxi a little bit more of a chance. I mean, literally the 21st pick in 2020, kids 21. Like, he gave it his all. I love it. But also, we're almost going to, have to go back to back because, like, we had Vincent and Struess, a couple of undrafted players for the Heat, just buying into a bit of Heat culture. They combined for 27 points today. Like, that is awesome. Struess with the 20, 11, and 5. That was an amazing game. Uh, goes 4 or 10 from downtown. Gabe Vincent with his 7 points, 2 rebounds, 6 assists. He was awesome, too. Just gave them quality minutes without Kyle Lowry. You love to see it. So, Tyrese Maxey, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Guess what? You're all better than Lonzo Ball. And finally, Dickhead of the Week. Dickhead of the Week! Well, we've got a late contender because Doc Rivers, after the game, was like, asked about it. He was like, well, when I first got here, no one picked us to be anywhere. What the fuck are you talking about, Doc? That makes, that makes, what the hell was that? What was that? What the hell was that? Seriously, you had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you'd just been... Like, this team had been to the fucking playoffs like the three years prior. What are you talking about? Oh, no one picked us to be anywhere. What? You were the dude who was meant to bring them a fucking title. <laughs> what are you fucking talking about, you cooked unit? And then, of course, speaking of cooked units, Kyrie Irving. So I don't know if you've been following Kyrie. I've made a couple of allusions to it this week. Kyrie Irving... Uh, on Twitch streams, uh, sounding off on trolls, playing Grand Theft Auto and other games and shit. Uh, really showing his true colours is an absolute fucking cockwomble. Like, like legendary cockwomble territories here for Kyrie. Go back to Cleveland, Kyrie. Oh my God, Boston hates you. Oh my God. That's how you all sound to me, cockroaches. It's like, What? Kyrie is literally just sitting there, sounding off, calling out people for commenting on his stuff, saying that you live, like, pointless, petty lives and that he's worth billions. And you're like, oh, yes, this is Kyrie who is positioning himself as a voice for the voiceless. A man of the people. I'm here to shine a light on all the injustices of 
the mega corporate. Oh, actually, you might just be a giant fuckhead. Kyrie Irving, dickhead of the week. All right, some Yanars right after. I reckon this one. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. you're listening to NBA Australia. Let's do some Yanars. Brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Go get your merch. Get your merch. People. Get your merch. Get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Yeah, go get it at the NBA Australia shop. NBAAustralia.com slash shop or any of the uh, links over through the socials, etc. And uh, hopefully we'll have your size. Apologies to uh, our man Paul. <laughs> Sent in an order. I'm like frantically checking all going, oh, fuck. And I had to look at all the uh, stock Stuff on the back end, and apparently uh, the old Shopify <laughs> had a couple of hiccups with some of the stock numbers. A bit fucking weird. Anyway, all under control now, I think. So uh, go check it out and get yourself a t-shirt and get a hoodie. Why not? Right, some yeah nahs. We got some listening yeah nahs today. Matty Owens. Let's stay with Philly. East semis again. Do Philly burn it down or just fuck off Harden or do they trust the process? Yeah nah. <sighs> this is the big question, isn't it? Like, how in good conscience could Daryl Morey look at that performance from James Harden and go, yes, James Harden, here is a new contract worth a quarter of a billion dollars and we'll be paying you 50 to 60 million bucks when you're 36, 37 a year. When you're age 32 now, and you look fucking cooked. You look more cooked than the fucking squid when he left the pancake. <laughs> he had a pancake just going. And I'm like, did you flip it? He's like, yes. And he didn't flip it. It's pretty uh, pretty toasty. <laughs> Harden is like more cooked than Jordan in the last dance with the fucking eyeballs of death. Like, what is going on? So, to Philly burn it down... You're already seeing Philly fans clamoring to get Jay Wright, the Villanova coach, the former Villanova coach. And Doc Rivers, we know that he's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to LA. I'll go catch the Lakers. That'll be fun. And he can go disappoint another fan base. (laughs) I think there's more of a, there's an interesting question now there where we get to go, is Doc Rivers, we'll talk about this in a second, but like, really? Is this hurting his all-time stature? And you're like, yeah, fucking oath it is. Um, but what do Philly do? Do they burn it down? Well, I mean, you can't really because you've sort of painted yourself into a corner with uh, all the draft picks that you've give up, given up, all the assets you gave up to go get Harden. You basically have to go, right, we have three building blocks. It's Joel Embiid, it's Tyrese Maxey, it's James Harden. What can we do around that? How can we get rid of Tobias Harris? What can we, what can we get in return for Tobias Harris? Like, Tobias Harris is steady. He's also not worth 36 million bucks a year. What else can they do? And you look around the league, and this is one of the great moments in NBA, I think, uh, probably the last 20, 30 years, the sheer amount of talent right now. Like, you look at the bad teams this year. You look at Detroit, Orlando, 
OKC, even the Sacramento, like even Houston, like they've got building blocks. They've got good young dudes. And there's not a giant sort of middle class where they're kind of actually on the downward trend. It seems like a lot of them have got young dudes as well. So you can't really easily foist off a Tobias Harris with somebody who's like, oh, he's going to be the piece that puts us over the top because he's not. He can't do it on Philly. He's not going to put you over the top. So what do you get in return for that? Not much. And the thing is, there's nothing else on that roster where you go, well, that's worth something. Like, Doc Rivers was just starting fucking DeAndre Jordan. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? So, Philly, their only option is to get what they can in return for Tobias Harris and try to spread that out. And I think Harden now, they've got to look at it and go, right, well, we've got to bring him back because we've sunk so many assets into getting this fucking guy. Daryl Morey's got the world's biggest boner for him. And we've just got to hope that he's better next year, right? And, like, find some form. And gets in shape. <laughs> because Amari Stoudemire is not coming back to coach the Nets next year. And he like railed on uh, Kyrie and Harden today, which is pretty funny. But um, he's like, yeah, Harden was never in shape. Kyrie's a fucking cock knuckle. Like, <laughs> cock knuckle. And away we go. Um, but do Philly burn it down? I don't think, I've, I'm going to have to say nah, because there's not much they can burn down. Like, they can't trade Embiid. You can't trade Maxi. And I think they're painted into a corner where they can't trade Harden. Everything else is like fucking have at it, but like, what's it worth? Not much. Yeah. Dan Drosher. Dan sent in one. Yeah, nah. Doc's elimination game coaching record won't ever be beaten. Yeah, nah. Oh. If James Harden keeps playing, maybe. So Doc is now 14 and 17 when facing elimination. That is a lot of losses. <laughs> because if you think about that, if you're in an elimination game, you've lost 17 times, you're not doing great. Uh, he's also, like, one of the great ones is that he's been eliminated. His teams have been eliminated, what, 10 times uh, in a series they've led at any point, which is always great. I mean, obviously, they didn't lead this one, but uh, 14 and 17. My favorite thing, though, is James Harden at the moment is 1-8 and eight in his last nine elimination games. So... James Harden might give Doc's 14 and 17 record a bit of a uh, run for its fucking money. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. But 14 and 17. So this is where it becomes the point where you go, Doc Rivers, actual good coach. Yeah, nah. I think the results speak for themselves at this point, don't they? Like, you could see that he brought Philly like a sense of gravitas, a sense of like, I don't know, we've got someone competent in charge. And... Then you watch them today and you see them all tuning him out and like going, Doc, yeah, you're not inspiring us at all. Is it a question of his coaching? Is it a question of his inspirational vibes? Have they already tuned him out after a couple of years? Like maybe, but I think you got to look at this now and go, yeah, after all that time in Clipper land where they could never get over the hump, not even make a conference finals. They've not made a conference finals in Philly either. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's not a bad idea to go see what Jay Wright can do. Got to do something. That might be part of the Matty Owens burn it down. <sighs> Tough scenes in Philly. Uh, Scotty Baxter. Wow, Harden was horrible. Yeah, nah, will he bounce back next season to become a star again or is he done? Yeah, nah. This is so hard to judge because you don't know what his offseason is going to entail, right? Like, we have seen him come back from an offseason season 
look chunky as hell, play his way into shape, and off he goes. But the weird thing about Harden is he's never had like the complete year where you've gone from start to finish all the way through to the very end of a playoff series. He was like the guy that's here to kick ass, take names, because every year he'd either start off slow and then get to the end of the playoffs and be fucking cooked. And that's happened time and time and time and time again. It's almost as though <laughs> partying too much, being at the Rippers until 3 a.m. before a game, you know, maybe it takes a bit of a toll, especially once you cross that threshold of 30. I can tell from experience. <laughs> Literally, once you get past 30, 32, 35, everything just gets that much fucking harder. And James Harden... Like, he's got a body shape that'll turn him into James Soften pretty fucking quick, you know what I'm saying? And then Scotty, well, look, I think the trust and everything that Daryl Morey has in James Harden, I actually lean on the side of, yeah, he will bounce back next year. I think this is a fucked year after a fucked year. You know what I'm saying? Like, he goes to Brooklyn, forces his way out of Houston, uh, pings a hammy pretty badly, can't really have a proper offseason has an absolute fucking shit show of a year in Brooklyn and then gets straight to Philly, trying to figure out everything on the fly. It never coalesces properly and beads out for a big chunk. He just can't recapture the, the form. If he gets a proper offseason, if he responds to the trust that Daryl Morey has in him, going, James, I'm about to give you a quarter of a billion dollars until you're 36, 37. Are you going to get in shape? Can you lay off the fucking lemon pepper chicken wings when you're in the Rippers tonight? Just only have a half serve, not a full serve. Come on, James. If Harden does that, maybe. And I think there's there's at least an option that he could bounce back and have a couple of good years as well. So I don't know. I'd probably lean towards, yeah, he might be able to... Uh, he'll be better than this at, is what I'm basically trying to land on, I think. I think there's a middle ground between superstar James Harden and shitshow James Harden, and I think the next couple of years he'll be in that middle bit. He won't be as bad as Rusty Westbrook is now because <laughs> he can shoot and it'll be a bit better, but, geez, the worrying signs are there, right? And last one, yeah, nah, Chris Paul's poor performance has been more influential than Luca's good performance in the Mavs Sun series. Yeah, nah. Uh, that is a great one. Chris Paul's poor performance, literally after he turned 37, <laughs> it's like he's had more turnovers than buckets. Like, seriously, 37, he's gone and turned 37, and he's now got 14 buckets since then and 18 turnovers. Like, that is chaos. So I think having Chris Paul out there and struggling because the Mavs have kind of gone, right, what we'll do, we'll always just have someone really fucking big and long on him. And uh, that'll maybe discombobulate discombobulate him a little bit. It's probably that def- it's kind of like a symptom of the more wide ranging vibe of Dallas's defense has just been that much better in the last four games. Well, the last well the three games that they've won at least because they got fucking blown out in game five. But I think Luca had those tendencies early on tonight again of the dribble, 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 pass. But then you saw them have success once he sort of went, wait, 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 wait. How did we win games three and four? I've got to move the ball. I've got to move the ball. I've got to move the ball. Starts moving the ball. They start kicking the fuck out of the Suns. So it's like the performance of Luca and the way he's played, the numbers he's putting up, 
Obviously, they're not going to win those games without him doing that. And as soon as Luca remembers to trust his fucking teammates, every time that sort of seems to happen, the Mavs go absolutely bananas. But yeah, like Chris Paul's struggling. It's probably just because of that Mavs D just really locking down in the last the three home games that they've had, right? So I think that stymied all of the Suns, but Chris Paul probably the most, and it's probably been more influential. So yeah, that's a great fucking question by Scotty Baxter. Uh, speaking of which, can, can, can the Mavs win game seven? Yeah, nah, they can. Will they? Yeah, nah. Oof. On the road in Phoenix, it's going to be fucking tough. Talk about that later in the uh, previews. All right, now I'm popular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy, if we're going to change like the look of it and we're going to add some other fucking trophies, how the fuck that the Larry O'Brien trophy hasn't been renamed the David Stern trophy like two years ago is fucking beyond me. Like for all the shit that David Stern gets... Like, he was probably the main driving force of the way that the uh, NBA then exploded throughout the 80s and 90s, right? Like, under his uh, somewhat forceful guidance a lot of the time, and a lot of the time, weird, unhinged, kind of strange guidance, uh, you know, acting at the behest of the owners, ostensibly. But, I mean, under Larry O'Brien, like, Jesus. NBA was like a bit of a shit show. David Stern... As the assistant commissioner comes in, does great work, and then takes over, and then goes from strength to strength and strength. He knew how to harness Larry and Magic, and then MJ, and sort of use them to sort of boost up the rest of the league. So, I don't know. It's weird that the Larry O'Brien, so the Larry O'Brien, just saying. Don't know if that's unpopular, but here we are. Uh, Outback Takehouse. It's Friday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, 4 for 1 TGIF Foster's Oil Drum Cans. Icy cold Foster's Lager. That's right, it's Australian for horse piss. I mean, beer. That's right. Go drink one of these giant cans of horse piss. I mean, beer. And get it right around you. Today's Flame Grill take is... There's one constant in Philly. It's not Ben Simmons. It's not James Harden. It's not even Doc Rivers. And they've still yet to make the conference finals with Joel Embiid. Maybe Joel Embiid's the problem. Maybe he's just really hard to play with. In fact, once you think about it a little bit more, name one player Joel Embiid has actually made better. Only at Outback. Ah, a little kernel of truth to this. I love Embiid. Absolutely love him. But, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird that it's, uh, <laughs> he's the one constant and the other constant is failure. Hmm. All right. Australian Player Watch right after this one. This is Matthew Delvedover and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian Player Watch, Aussie Matty T. That's the end of the uh, season for Matty T. Goes out, went out shooting at least, one of four from uh, the floor, 0 of two from downtown. He went one and one at the free throw line at least. But uh, he went 0 0 0 0 0 0 0, two steals and a block. He was a minus 15. It was a weird series for Matty. And 
You could see his confidence fluctuate. I feel like game in, game out with his shooting. When he was shooting and hitting, literally the correlation between, like, if he made more than one shot in a game, the Sixers won those games. Like, that's weird to think about, but it's exactly what happened in game three and four. He made two shots. They won the game. The other four games combined, he made three shots on nine attempts. And that's not great. So, yeah. (laughs) So, finishes the season averaging 5.7 points, 2.3 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Um, Crap ton of steals. 115 total steals, 71 blocks in the regular season. And uh, did great. The playoffs, though, it was uh, a bit of a rough one. So, I think he had 24 total points, 13 fouls. So, he had more fouls than made buckets. He went 4-12 from downtown, which, look, to be honest, you'll take if you're Matty T, but the 0 of 2 today, the 0 of 2 in game 1, I think I tweeted out every time he misses one, it breaks my fucking heart. But also, he in this series, he went 2-4-8 from downtown against the Heat, so... Really rough one, and not being able to make them pay on the offensive end made it a lot harder for uh, the Sixers to keep him out there. And I mean, you saw it as he uh, came off the bench, came off the bench, came off the bench, and really struggled to have much of an impact defensively as well as offensively. So look, I think figuring out his role for next year, he'll come back better, he'll come back stronger, and with an offseason where he can actually sort of, you know, shoot, work on his shot, and just try to do nothing but, like, do a Grant Williams, right? Just become a fucking dead eye from the corners. If he can do that, he'll become invaluable. And uh, Greeny, he's our last man standing, at least for one more game at least, right? Uh, tonight, three minutes, one steal. It was a plus nine. Didn't take a shot, but Greeny got out there, pulled off some hustle. He loved to see it. <laughs> Great job, Greeny. Love it. Let's get into the finals. Right. Andrew Gay's Gray Mumber Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Andrew Gay's Grey Mumba. Oh, clap it up. There you go. Um, it's pretty easy for me. It's Luca. He's tied for the third fastest uh, player in NBA history to reach 700 playoff points, uh, trailing only Wilt and MJ. And it's like, when you literally are saying sentences that end up with Wilt and MJ, like, you're in absolutely obscene territories. So he drops 33-11-8 today with four steals. And as I mentioned, you know, sets a franchise record for uh, 30, 10, and 5 at least games in the playoffs. But I think my favorite Lucas stat is, like, this is just who he is. Like, 31-10-9 and in 2020, 36-8-10 in 2021. And so far in 2022, 31-10-7. Those are his playoff stats. 31-10-9, 36-8-10, and 31-10-7. Like, that is absolutely fucking amazing. Like, that is absolutely Andrew Gay's Grey Mumbra-like territory. So that's why Luca today gets the award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. And uh, I cannot wait to see what he does in Game 7. Hopefully it's a fucking massive Luca explosion. And a Luke Longley Award for Outstanding Achievement in the field of being the role player who just kicks ass, takes names. Got to give some shine to Struis and Vincent. I love them. You know that. And uh, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. I think the the work that they're doing defensively for the Mavs is the only reason they're in this series. Like, 
responding to uh, Scotty's question earlier, the yeah, nah, about the Chris Paul. Like, without Bullock and Finney Smith doing what they're doing, and then Maxi Kleber, hello, and Dwight Powell playing undersized against DeAndre Ayton, like, it's massive. So, Struis and Vincent going out, like, the correlation between them hitting, like, basically three made threes between them, and the Heat winning is through the fucking roof. And Bullock and Smitty, Finney Smith, like, their defense, once it kicked in a notch, the Mavs are in this series. So, there you go. Some, uh, Luke Longley, bloke who just does their bloody job. Role Player of the Week awards right there. How about a Patty Mills game day baller, game day Twitter inspiration board? I mean, this is a pretty easy one for me. It's just more of Jock Landale's uh, engagement party. And also just he's apparently hanging out with his fam. You love to see it. And, of course, Sean Bruce, the prawn. He's out there hanging out with the boss, getting around the uh, sarsaparillas, drinking a million beers. I'm enjoying the... Uh, Sean the Prawn Bruce uh, vibes at the moment. And uh, just in general, at the moment, Joe Ingles' Twitter, just, it's like clockwork. I'm absolutely loving it because he's just like coffee emoji, coffee emoji, coffee emoji. Like, yeah, let's go. Uh, so it was a great one as well today. I flew to Australia in the middle of training camp one year for two days, 23 hours. Caught my boy Joe Ingles' wedding. Pretty good. Love that. And uh, Joe Ingles retweeted that saying, the greatest. Only a request, a jersey and bottle of his favorite drink. Won't ever forget that trip. Oh, that's pretty bloody good. What a legend. Good job, Jingling uh, Joe Ingles. Right. Got the big ones. Let's do it. Game previews for the weekend. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah, look. The throat's still a bit scratchy from the old cocoa, but she's all right. I'm feeling good. Old mate's feeling good. Uh, the squid, he's just a trooper. He doesn't give a fuck. I love it. And it was just really cool to get the, uh, you know, the however many weeks we are along with the uh, pregnancy scan today. So it's just fucking nice, man. I'd hate to be a beer in about 15 minutes, though. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Right. We went 2-2 two two on the picks today. I told you. I fucking told you we'd bounce back. So we nailed the uh, Heat and the Dallas picks yesterday. So that leaves us at 33-67 for the playoffs. After going 0-4 the previous two days, we finally bounced back going 2-2. And for the moment, we have three games this weekend. Uh, Well, really, only on the weekend we've got two because there's no games Sunday. We have Boston-Milwaukee and Memphis-Golden State tomorrow. Then Monday we get Game 7 of Dallas-Phoenix. And Bucks Celtics game seven if it's necessary. So pretty interesting sort of setup for the weekend. Boston go to Milwaukee for game six tomorrow. That's at 9.30 Australian Eastern time. Bucks up 3-2 in this series, hosting game six. What can happen? Boston are one and a half point underdogs, which just shows you just the sheer like uh, level playing field of this series where Boston, we've seen them win in Milwaukee. We've seen the Bucks going to Boston and win one. And, oh, two. And here we go. The Celtics for all the marbles, plus one and a half. I have to go with the Celtics. I just think there's, after that absolute meltdown in the fourth quarter, literally, not even the fourth quarter, the meltdown in the last two minutes from the Celtics. They won that game. It's going to be a question of how they bounce back from that how they respond to it, how Emo Yudoka kicks their ass into gear and goes, right, we're not doing that again. 
And whether or not the Bucks sit there and go, well, look, well, we know we just can win in Boston, but let's close this one out here at home now. We're laughing. And the weird thing is I like just even getting the one and a half points for Boston because I feel like Milwaukee could win this. It could be a one-point game. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense because that's how level and even this series has been. So I just think with Boston, they had that game, I think, between Tatum, Brown, Average Al Horford, Marcus Smart, they might just have a little bit more leeway for everybody stepping up and just getting them over the hump. Whereas Milwaukee, we've seen Giroux struggle shooting. Giannis can always come out and just drop a 46-piece on their head. But the heroics for the Bucks in that Game 5 in Boston, I mean, Paddy Connaughton hitting those threes. Where's Matthews hitting the threes? Giannis and Giroux hitting threes right at the end. I just... I know that they're going to be at home. Role players are always much more comfortable at home. I just think Boston step up to the challenge and force a Game 7. It's kind of like half wishful thinking on my behalf. (laughs) But also, like, I don't think Boston are cowed by playing in Milwaukee. It's going to be key if they get off to a fast start and make Milwaukee sort of try to catch them and have to rely on the three-point shooting. Like, it might happen because they are at home. Grayson Allen might go off. Paddy Connaughton might keep going off. I just think Tatum, Brown, Smart, L, it might be just something there. That all said, I would not be surprised if Milwaukee kicked the fuck out of them as well. So this is really just sort of a gut fuck it. I think Boston could force a game seven. They've been really, really good. They Just that weird slippage in that last two minutes really fucked them. So, And it would be a weird end of their season, wouldn't it? They let two minutes completely derail their uh, playoffs. Could it happen? Maybe. But plus one and a half. Give me Boston. Fascinating game. Uh, Memphis, Golden State. The Warriors at home having just completely punted on game five. (laughs) They're eight and a half point favorites though, the Warriors. I'm taking Memphis plus eight and a half. Unless like like Dylan Brooks, he needs a redemption game. He's going to get booed every time he goes near the ball in Warriors land. It's going to be hilarious. But we saw Memphis at least get Desmond Boone back on track shooting-wise. You saw everything click perfectly for Memphis. It's probably not going to click like that in Golden State again. But at the same time, like we've seen Clay struggle. Uh, we saw Memphis basically win Game 4 if it wasn't for Dylan Brooks completely double-agenting uh, and winning that game for Golden State. So I'm going to take the points with Memphis 8.5 because I think they can make that close. I think Golden State hold on and probably win. They probably win by 6. But I'm going to get Memphis to cover plus 8.5. Woof. It's going to be an amazing weird game too, isn't it? Uh, So that one's at noon tomorrow. And then Monday. So Bucks celtics Game 7 if necessary. If the Celtics have won Game 6, the hilarious thing is... I think the Bucks get Game 7 in Boston and we just go away team, away team, away team in our Games 5, 6, and 7. Because I think Game 7 on the road, the Bucks are just going to lay it all out there. Middleton might even be back. We don't know yet. But I think I'm going to trust Giannis in a Game 7. All he did was drop 50 in an elimination game last year. He might do that again tomorrow, though. Like, I don't know. That's why I feel weird about taking the Boston plus 1.5 tomorrow, but... I just don't know. I think Tatum and Brown just have one big special game in them. And uh, then the Bucks might get them on Monday. 
And then the actual Game 7 that we do know we're getting, Dallas, go to Phoenix for Game 7. All the marbles, exciting times. The Suns are six and a half point favorites, and I kind of wanted to go with it. I just think after back-to-back blowouts, we have to get one close one. So I'm taking Dallas plus six and a half. I think we get a massive Luka fuck you game. But at the same time, I think what we see is the Phoenix just grind you down offense at the end of a fourth quarter in a game seven. They get over the hump. I'm going to say Phoenix by four, but Dallas win the game. Uh, Dallas cover, rather. So Phoenix win by four, of course. Uh, But Dallas cover the six and a half point spread. But we see Phoenix make another Western Conference Finals. How's that sound? Good. So there you go. Boston plus one and a half against Milwaukee. Memphis plus eight and a half against Golden. I've gone all underdogs. Oh, Jesus. Dallas plus six and a half against Phoenix. And Bucks on the road against the Celtics if game seven happens on Monday. Cannot wait. Cannot fucking wait. <laughs> it's all right. What a weekend ahead. Woo! You little belter. Uh, and just to check on the picks from the second round, I had Miami in six. Nailed it. Holy shit, I've done great on my uh, series picks. So I'll take that. Anyway, um, so we'll be back on Monday to wrap all that up for you. The game sixes, game sevens. Oh, what a time to be alive. Uh, check NBA Australia on Twitter, Facey IG. We're all over that all the time. Don't you worry about that. NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Go subscribe to that. World Wrestling Australia with me. Oh, no. World Wrestling Australia is just with Adam. That's over on YouTube. Go check that out. Uh, he and I did a great breakdown of Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone. Uh, wrestling match ages ago. That was awesome. FWCIE on Twitter as well. NBAAustralia.com slot. Uh, <laughs> NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Ah. <laughs> uh, have some more coffee, Jimmy. Uh, check us a rating review on your podcast app. Noble. Download the Noble app. Bang in the code Australia. Get 20% off as well. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. And always, Joshua De Laurentiis. Fascinated. Goldmines. Ramshack Alami. Iowa. Sex Jedi. Green, green, green. And dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all in Bandcamp. Triple J and Earth. Facey. Apple Music. Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. All right. That's the end of the week. We'll finish it off with a uh, classic cooking with Bainsey for you. And we will catch you on Monday, you dickheads. Have a good weekend. There's NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, Cooking with Bainsy is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainsy with your host, Aaron Bangers Bains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, g'day, it's cooking with Bainesy, and I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Bainesy. Yep, that's right, just here in this here episode, gonna whip up a nice, delish dish for you. You know what we're gonna do this week? Oh, g'day, Cheryl, look at you over there. 
I always losing your mind. Anyway, we're going to whip up one of my absolute Aussie favourites that you can have whenever. It is the classic bangers, scrambled eggs on toast. That's right, bloody scrambled eggs on toast. That's right, I love me some scrambled eggs on toast, and I'll tell you what, it is easy peasy, mate. Definitely helps keep up this physique, you know what I mean? Protein, baby. Yeah, look at you. All right, so it's bloody simple, mate. All you got to do is go down to your soupy, load up on a thing of eggs, get a dozen of them. Don't be a coward. Don't get six. Get a dozen. Now, get the free-range ones. Don't be a prick and get those ones that are from Cage Chooks. That's a no-no. Now, make sure you got some butter, maybe a bit of milk, a bit of salt and pepper. And now, don't be a coward. Get some chilies. Maybe grab some spring onions as well. Then get over to your bakery. Say good day to Steve the baker. G'day, Steve. How are you, mate? Yeah, there you go. Now, grab a thing out of their fancy sourdough. Don't fuck around with shit bread, mate. This will blow your mind. Trust me. Righto. Now, you put your cooker on your medium. You get your fry pan or your saucepan, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter, mate. Grease her up with some butter. Now, bang eggs in there. Yeah, that's right. Just flat out, crack them straight in there. Now... Some nongs do something different with it and whisk it all up in a bowl beforehand and mix in some fucking mixed herbs and all this shit. Don't bother. Do your whisking as they cook. So that's what you do. You crack the eggs in there, stir them up, take it off the hood a couple of times. There you go, there you go. Yep, just let her settle. Stir around, stir around. Bit of your milk, there you go. Look, oh, that looks bloody delicious, doesn't it? Now, pop your toast in, slice up your bread, pop your toast in, big thick slices, there you go. Now, just sit back, grab a tin. Oh, brekkie tins. How good is this? Now, chop up your chilli and your spring onions. Make sure your eggs are looking nice and moist, but not too moist, mind you. And throw them on the eggs. Bang in some salt and pepper on there. Grab your toast, butter her up. There you go. Mrs. will love that. Turn off the heat in your eggs, then you fang them on. I'll tell you what, Bob's your fucking uncle. Because that, my friends, is an absolute bloody ripper of a brekkie, a lunch, or even a bloody dinner. It's bangers scrambled eggs, that's right. It's just bloody delicious, mate. And it'll dead sit in Breast of Sheila's, don't you worry about that. You know, got a big night of banging ahead of you, behind you, whatever. Cook up this and I'll never leave your side. That's right. And if you want to get fancy, well, a bit fancy-pantsy, oh, look at this, look at me, look at me. Add a side of avo. Add a side of bacon or smoked salmon even. Maybe even some little baby tomatoes. And that will taste fucking unreal. Trust me. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so how easy is that? Get stuck in, do it at home yourselves, and you'll absolutely bloody well love it. All right, there you go. Tune in to NBA Australia next time for a new recipe, and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy. Bainsy.